Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week, we will be talking about the future building standard. And today's episode meets PC1 and 3 of the Part 3 criteria. So back in episode 72, I spoke about the future homes standard, which applies to domestic buildings, uh, ensuring that they are built uh, future-proofed to reduce energy usage and greenhouse emissions uh, for new buildings from 2025. So today I will be covering the future buildings standard. So what is the future building standard and how is it different to the future home standard? So the difference with the buildings uh, standard is that in 2022, the UK government introduced uh, this policy, which sets out the changes to approved documents L and F of the building regulations, which came into force uh, the past uh, two years and focuses on new non-domestic buildings, but also includes policy relating to existing non-domestic buildings. So the difference is that the future home standard is for dwellings, whereas the future building standard is for non-domestic dwellings. And similarly to the future home standard, it will be implemented in 2025. So the aim of the future building standard is for new non-domestic buildings to produce uh, 27% less CO2 emissions in comparison to current buildings, uh, as currently heating and powering buildings accounts for 40% of the UK's total energy usage. Uh, It also aims for buildings built to the future buildings standard to be zero carbon ready, with the ability to decarbonize over time and also to use low carbon heat sources for heating and hot water uh, to be integrated to the specification of the future building standard. So what does a future building standard building look like? So non-domestic buildings are more diverse in type, uh, size, complexity and function. So therefore, the future building standard needs to reflect uh, and incorporate this diversity. So all heat and hot water needs will need to be met through low carbon sources to meet the future building standard primary energy targets. And a large portion of this low carbon heat will come from the national grid, which is continuously moving towards uh, net zero, meaning new buildings constructed to the new standard will be zero carbon ready. Uh, So whatever the non-domestic building type, the best fabric standards should also be considered to keep an optimal balance between heating, cooling and daylight provisions. The low carbon heating technologies which support the level and scale of change sought from the future building standard include heat pumps which deliver heat uh, much more efficiently as they capture renewable heat from the atmosphere and help keep uh, running costs and electricity demand uh, down Uh, and for high water demand in buildings such as hotels or hospitals another solution may be needed uh, as heat pumps may not be suitable for high hot water temperatures 
Another source to be considered are heat networks, which are a distribution uh, system taking heat from a centralized source and then disperses it to a number of different buildings. This approach can decarbonize more easily because new technologies can be added to the system with minimal disruption to individual buildings. Another source is direct electric heating. Uh, Such systems, however, will put too high a demand for electricity and may result uh, on impacting the national grid. And it's also very expensive to run. Uh, And some other technologies can also include hydrogen uh, in the future. Now, when it comes to actually implementing the future building standard, it will be implemented through the building regulations and the government suggests splitting the different types of non-domestic buildings uh, in relation to their water heating demand into three types. Type 1 demand is for space heating demand more suitable for heat pumps and domestic hot water demand more suitable for point of use or heat pump. Type 1 has been identified for buildings such as offices, multi-residential buildings, prisons, schools, uh, retail units, community centres, courts, uh, libraries, museums, airports, data centres and theatres. Then you have the Type 2 demand uh, type of buildings which is for space heating demand more suitable for heat pumps and have high domestic hot water demand, which may be less suitable to be provided using point of use or heat pumps. Type 2 has been identified for buildings such as hotels uh, or hospitals, healthcare or restaurants. And then you have the type 3 building types which their space heating demand is less suitable for heat pumps and domestic hot water demand, uh, which is more suitable for point of use uh, or heat pump. So the type 3 demand uh, type buildings have been identified for buildings such as warehouses, industrial buildings and sports halls. So buildings with type 1 and type 2 levels of demand should be ready to adopt heat pumps or other forms of low-carbon space heating in 2025. There may be more challenges for buildings with type 3 demand, for example, because they are made up of large spaces which are more suited to radiant or spot heating, uh, for which heat pumps are not the most appropriate technology for. Also, buildings with type 1 and type 3 demand should be ready to adopt either electric point-of-use domestic hot water heating or heat pump domestic hot water heating in 2025. Buildings with type 2 demand are likely to require high-volume, low-carbon domestic hot water production, which could include some types of heat pumps, while some suitable uh, heat pump domestic hot water systems already exist, a longer lead in time may be required so that these systems can become more established before adopting them as part of the minimum standard for buildings with type 2 demand. Although it has been recognised that this approach is too oversimplified uh, in terms of the three building types uh, and demands, uh, it's uh, been considered that it needs to be more flexible and account for other factors as well uh, since usage and performance can vary between buildings in the same category and the heat demand shouldn't be dictated by the building's typology alone. So the type 1, 2 and 3 approach may not be that 
suitable as um, the government initially uh, sets out, but this will come into uh, more of a conclusive approach, uh, hopefully later in the year. Now, to support the implementation of the future building standard, it's proposed that it's supported by two work streams of targeted research uh, and engagement with the industry. The first work stream would implement the full adoption of the future building standard for buildings which are more suitable for low carbon heating and or hot water. This will include low carbon uh, space heating for buildings with type 1 and 2 space heating demand and low carbon hot water heating for buildings with type 1 and 3 water heating demand. Then the second work stream would provide specific support to the full adoption of the future building standard for more challenging demand types. This will include low carbon space heating for buildings with type 3 space heating demand and low carbon hot water heating for buildings with type 2 hot water demand. To support this transition, uh, the government is working with the relevant sectors and suppliers to upskill workers and provide them with the necessary training and skills needed uh, for construction, including reselling and upskilling and filling the skills gap the sector needs to build uh, greener. Now, when it comes to measuring the energy performance of the buildings through the uplifts proposed under Proof Document Part L, the government proposes they are measured against uh, primary energy as the principal metric, which is energy from renewable and non-renewable sources, then through CO2 emissions as the secondary metric, uh, air tightness testing methodology, and uplifting the minimum standards for thermal elements and controlled fittings. So to determine the energy performance of a non-domestic building, calculations must be carried out according to the methodology approved by the Secretary of State, which is the National Calculation Methodology. Two routes are available for assessing buildings, both of which must comply with the National Calculation Methodology. The first one is for simple buildings using the simplified building energy model and the second is for more complex buildings using an approved dynamic uh, simulation method. So the non-domestic sector is generally much more diverse than the domestic sector and the performance issues involve a wider range of technical challenges. So the government proposes these can be addressed through revising the outputs from the simplified building energy model to enable easier checking by building control on building completion. Also encouraging designers to undertake better design detailing in thermal bridging. Developing the simplified building energy model and the national calculation methodology to better account for energy uses and to incentivize appropriate design solutions. And these will include providing more accurate ventilation calculation assumptions. Uh, improving lighting calculations to better reflect actual use, also reviewing the activity database to better reflect actual building use, and revising the way that hot water demand is calculated to better match real-life demand. Then it's also recommended to introduce more challenging energy efficiency standards and improving compliance by requiring developers of larger buildings to carry out energy forecasting at design stage, and to provide appropriate benchmarks for in-use energy performance. 
also update the minimum standards to improve the efficiency of services and fabric specification and reference to the latest standards. Also making the legal requirement for adequate commissioning clearer. Enhancing the regulations and guidance for assessing the energy performance of building services systems during commissioning. Then introducing guidance for appropriate sizing of systems and avoiding over or under sizing of services. And also improving the guidance for more accurately calculating insulation performance UIUs and referring to the latest industry standard. And also supporting building owners to better understand how to use their building efficiently by improving standards for energy metering to allow the occupiers to better understand the energy they are using in their buildings. So these proposals focus on ensuring that buildings are well designed and well commissioned and capable under standard operating conditions of meeting the carbon targets set by the new standards. So it's anticipated that the standards will encourage developers to install uh, low carbon heating in new developments. For example, installing a heat pump for heating in an air-conditioned office could be a lower capital cost uh, solution than installing gas boilers and photovoltaic panels. So adopting this approach allows the low-carbon heating sector to grow at a sustainable pace before becoming part of the minimum standard proposed to be introduced in 2025. Now, looking more specifically at the minimum standards for thermal elements in new domestic buildings, it's proposed that minimum levels of fabric performance should be set out in the standard and can also be found in the updated approved document L. So the building regulations set out the energy efficiency standard for new and replacement thermal elements in existing non-domestic buildings. And these standards apply when providing a new element in an existing building, when providing a new element as part of an extension of an existing building, when replacing a controlled fitting, such as a window or a door, or when completely removing and replacing a thermal element. For example, a floor, a roof, uh, or a wall. So the future building standard therefore recommends these requirements and standards set within the building regulations are retained and continue to include uh, minimum levels of fabric performance as they have been within the latest update of the building regulations. Also, updates to U-values for roof lights are also to be incorporated in the future building standard as per the future homes standard. Now, when it comes to air distribution, it has been recommended and updated within the building regulations that the minimum standards for air distribution units uh, should be for all supply and extract systems to have heat recovery where technically feasible, provide maximum specific fan power for zonal supply, and extract ventilation units, such as ceiling void or roof uh, units, serving single rooms or zones, with heating and heat recovery, uh, set at 2.3 watts per litre per second. Other systems have had a value of 0.4 watts per litre per second, incorporated into the maximum specific fan power, as an allowance for heat recovery. Also, fan-assisted terminal variable air volume units, maximum specific fan power should be reduced to 0.5 watts per litre per second. 
also uh, fan core units, maximum specific fan power to be reduced to 0.3 volts per liter per second. And for air distribution systems using active chilled beams, an additional allowance of 0.3 watts per liter uh, second is provided. So heating and cooling systems are also proposed to be fitted with uh, self-regulation devices, which can be achieved by including devices for um, separate regulation of temperature in each room or designated heating zones. And this can be a thermostatic radiator valve, uh, for example. Now, in terms of lighting, the minimum efficacy proposed in new uh, non-domestic buildings should be 95 luminaire lumens per circuit watt for general lighting and 80 luminaire lumens per circuit watt for display lighting. With LED lighting being the most common installed in non-domestic buildings due to their efficiency and longevity. Now, another key system for non-domestic buildings is the building automation and control system used to monitor and control a building's environment and services, such as heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and so on. So under the standard, these systems are proposed to become a regular fixture within non-domestic buildings that have a heating or air conditioning system, as they are both uh, cost-effective and efficient. And to assist this, the standard is also proposing to introduce new requirements on sizing uh, and controls for building services systems to reduce the risk of under or oversizing systems. In terms of continuous monitoring of the as-built performance of non-domestic buildings, the government has expressed their intention to continue using uh, CEI-BSE's TM39 as the standard for new buildings, to be submetered and it's recommended that the forecast energy performance of non-domestic buildings should be modelled and provided to the building owner at completion stage for the purposes of energy benchmarking. So this energy forecast is proposed to be based on the CIBSE TM54 framework and present monthly energy usage figures in metered energy broken down into fuel type and uh, energy end use category. So this will be a very good uh, metric and standard to use that will also assist uh, post-occupancy evaluations carried out by architects. So this will be quite a beneficial process to have uh, and systems to have in uh, buildings. So that covers part L. Now let's look at the uplifts proposed under approved document part F. So the government proposes that measures are imposed to mitigate the transmission of infection via uh, aerosols in certain non-domestic buildings, ensuring good air quality for people in buildings. So it's proposed that ventilation provisions are made to office buildings to be designed with additional fresh air capacity where additional ventilation may be required. It's also proposed that each uh, occupiable room in the building should be capable of providing fresh air at um, a rate 50% higher than the approved document F minimum standard. This as a result will require uh, larger mechanical ventilation systems and additional minimum standards for ventilation in offices are also proposed as a rate per square meter of floor area to ensure that ventilation rates are maintained for variable levels of occupation. 
So new standards have also been set for systems that recirculate air in offices and introducing a minimum ventilation standard of uh, 15 litres of fresh air per person in occupiable rooms in all types of non-domestic buildings where singing, loud speech or aerobic exercises are likely to take place, um, where low temperature and humidity environments may exist or where members of the public may gather in large groups. So it would be very beneficial to um, have such systems in such spaces. So the future building standard also covers the standards to reduce overheating in new residential buildings, which came into force under approved document O. And uh, it covers the two methods of complying with the proposed new requirements of part O, which includes the simplified method of uh, calculating um, whether there is too much unwanted solar gains. Uh, the simplified method uses a combination of limiting unwanted solar gains and removing excess heat in order to reduce overheating risk. The requirement depends on the location of the new residential building. And then the second method is the dynamic thermal analysis method, which uses CIBSE's TM59 design methodology for the assessment of overheating risk in homes to demonstrate compliance with the new regulation for overheating. Uh, and both methods are described in further detail in the approved document. Now, in terms of limiting solar gains, fixed shading devices, glazing design, building design, and shade of adjacent permanent buildings, structures, or landscape will be considered acceptable by the government as means of limiting solar gains. And the preferred means of mitigating overheating is through passive means, for example, through low or no energy needed, as far as practicable, reducing the need for mechanical cooling and ventilation. For further guidance, um, refer to the approved document part O, uh, since this regulation is now live. In terms of the RIBA's views on the government's current steps, is that the 2022 uplifts were not as ambitious as hoped uh, to be, which they expected would introduce and regulate embodied carbon targets and better assess building performance to close the performance gap. But they seek to influence the additional uplifts to hopefully come into force by 2025. So that covers the future buildings uh, standard. So to quickly sum up what I discussed today, the future building standard is designed to transition non-domestic buildings to use low carbon heat sources for heating and hot water, ensuring they are better for the environment and fit for the future aimed to be implemented by 2025. The government's preferred option will deliver a 27% reduction in carbon emissions on average per building compared to the existing standard. It will also ensure that construction professionals and supply chains are working to higher specifications in readiness for the introduction of the future building standard. The standard is also to be achieved through uplifts to building regulations part L and F in regulating heat and ventilation, and the government suggests splitting the different types of non-domestic buildings in relation to their uh, water and heating demands. And to monitor these changes and uplifts, the government has expressed their intention for new buildings to be submetered and the forecast energy performance of non-domestic buildings 
to be modelled and provided to the building owner at completion stage for the purposes of energy performance. So that covers what uh, I wanted to cover today. Uh, in terms of what you may be requested to know um, within your exams or in your upcoming interviews, uh, so this obviously is a new standard that has come in and has been introduced. Uh, it won't be fully implemented until 2025, but questions might be um, what upcoming regulations might be uh, implemented. Uh, and also you might potentially have a question of um, some of the building regulations that were already um, released and put into place uh, in the past year, which is obviously approved uh, document LFNO. Uh, so you will probably need to know more about those and say that they are relevant to both uh, the future home standard and the future building standard. Uh, so more updates will come on these specific standards within the next year or so. So I will definitely be following up with further updates on the future home standard and the future building standard. But if you want to learn more, I have provided some um, resource links in the episode notes uh, if you want to look into the subject a bit more. And that concludes today's episode. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.